0: welcome to the seahawkers podcast your seattle seahawks podcast by 12s for 12s
1: with your host adam embert you know what you do when life gives you lemons you don't make lemonade you kick life in the balls and you demand it gives you something better like bacon because bacon's delicious and brandon schultz If you're a fan of
0: another team, you should change your allegiance. The power of the 12s is stronger than it's ever been. Go Hawks!
1: On a quest to own the West, you become yay we make the ground shake on game day 12, man. Yeah, feeling it is vital, the Seahawks come
0: Welcome to the Seahawkers podcast. I'm Brandon Schultz, member of the Military Seahawkers, and joining me, an inaugural member of the Montana Seahawkers, Adam Emert.
1: What up, Brandon? and it's been a while since we sat down and just did a regular show. It feels like it feels like an eternity.
0: It does. What we we did our two weeks of the top fifteen, which was a good time. Uh, I want to talk yeah. a few things that came came out of that, but yeah, we haven't uh, we haven't just chopped it up about specifically what's going on in Seahawks news.
1: Well, we had to let it build up a little bit because let's let's not lie; it's been a little bit slow,
0: yeah. a little bit slow. Oh, no, the top fifteen was a good break, and you know we had some other sports to watch. I, I don't know what to think about life anymore now that Cleveland has a world championship. Mind blown. Know, it's yeah, weird. I
1: don't know who God hates anymore, who he loves. I, I don't understand it at all. So right. yeah. it's
0: the whole world is turned upside
1: down. Upside down. There may not even be a God now, for all I know. <laughs> or maybe LeBron James is God. It, may it be, he, Maybe
0: maybe that's what it took to get Cleveland to a championship. I think
1: I think that's a true fact, actually. <laughs>
0: <laughs> See, it just makes you question everything in life.
1: It does. I, everything feels, yeah, black is white. I don't, I don't know. I don't know. It's a, it's a crazy world out there mixed up right now.
0: Well, we want to get into some Seahawks topics, uh, storylines coming out of minicamp. You know, while we were kind of not talking about anything, the Seahawks were doing their off-season workouts and mini camps and all that fun stuff. So mm-hmm. there's stuff to talk about coming out of that. Now that they're finished up, um, Marshawn Lynch was on 60 Minutes. Uh, that was a good time. And uh, I want to talk list watch 2016, because as we've talked about in past seasons, this is the time of year for lists, Adam. And I've got my eyes on just about everyone. And so we're going to find out who the best defensive player for the Seahawks is of all time. Find out, you know, where does the Seahawks offense rank among the league's best triplets? Those types of important things Mm -hmm. we're going to be talking about.
1: Yeah, well, and we already know the number one Seahawk that you should you, that you should know. Uh, we, we did that list for you. We did. It is. It's, it's silly. It's silly list season. Uh, and we're going to talk about that list, too, because one thing that we haven't talked about,
0: Adam, is uh, and, and if folks listen to the show, the intro to the Kenny Easley episode, they they heard that we got a tweet, a series of tweets from yeah. the Boz who listened yeah. to uh, the, the number two. Uh, he was number two on our list of top 15. And, uh, we got his reaction. So kind of interesting.
1: It was super cool. Need to get his reaction. I think, uh, one thing that maybe he overlooked is that he was number two on the (laughs) list, right? Like you're, you're pretty high up there, big guy. And I think, uh, you made some fair points, uh, about his career and how he felt about it. And uh, probably they're fair because it's his career. He should be the guy that has the opinions on it. Uh, and I thought that, uh, I I guess it never occurred to me that one of these guys might actually listen to what we had to say about them. I wish I had been, uh, I was a little older so that I had a better recollection of his career rather than just kind of talking about what I know of him through the 30 for 30 and like all that stuff. Right. Um, I think that would have helped a little bit, but it was pretty cool to get some feedback from him. Yeah, and we'll get into that more. But first,
0: I want to get into some of these storylines coming out of minicamp. The the real newsy part of the show. Put that up front for people who are just yeah. jonesing for Seahawks news. Um, like. Let's get into it. And I think one of the most important points is something that was reiterated over and over by some of the coaches. Uh, especially Coach Rashard, uh, defensive coach, uh, defensive coordinator. Uh, in their press conferences, and he said, "It's not real football." I can't how many times I can't count how many times he said, "It's not real football."
1: Yeah, and it, because it's not real football, and that's the tough part, right? We're so excited, and just to watch some dudes run around, you get amped up. You start to try to make predictions. You try to figure out who looks good running around out there. Man, it, they're in shorts, and they <laughs> they barely have helmets on. So it's it's tough. It's tough to tell. But I did get the sense from a lot of these press conferences, even Chris Richard, they're pretty fired up about this draft class. Fired up about the draft
0: class, fired up about Russell Wilson. I mean, there's there's guys that and you're only gonna hear positive things coming out of these mini camps, it seems, <laughs> uh with regard to any particular player. But that's why you have to kind of pay attention to how they say things. You know, it was it kind of stood out to me like Coach Carroll would mention uh, CJ Proceis and how he had, quote, his best day as a Seahawk. Well, you know, that's that's kind of measured praise, right? That's that's not he looks outstanding or anything like he just had his best day as a Seahawk.
2: Well,
1: yeah, not only that, but how many days has he had as a Seahawk? Right. What, like like a whole 30? Yeah. And like half of that, he's been sitting out because his, he had a hip flexor thing. Right. So, yeah, I mean, that's and great. And he said he was going to go look at the days. tape.
0: So it, when when I hear things like that. Yes, it sounds positive, but it doesn't It doesn't make me think, you know, C.J. Procise is, you know, the second coming of Matt Forte or anything.
1: Well, Pete did say that they have big-time plans for Procise in the office. Now, oh, yeah. what constitutes a big-time plan, I'm not exactly sure. You know, everybody's talking about the idea of him being third down back and all that stuff, and that's probably true. But we'll see what they do have in mind for him, and uh, that's exciting. A lot of people, a lot of buzz around Nick Vanette. Yeah, And kind of the idea that he's a much better pass catcher than most people thought being an inline wide tight end when they (laughs) drafted him. Uh, But he really has, I guess, impressed with his timing and his route running ability and all that. So that's pretty exciting. Understanding that there's now a little more depth behind Jimmy Graham and Luke Wilson. And he could even, well, and he's going to be used differently than Luke Wilson, but he could maybe snag a lot of playing time from him at this point. Sure. And that's
0: why I say you kind of have to measure how the coaches say certain things, because Carol said with Vanette that he exceeded expectations. Uh, he talked about his ability to perform combination blocks because you can't measure a player's explosiveness off the line right now because they're they're not in pads. Like you mentioned, they're just in shorts, so there's still a lot to see. But he was impressed with what he saw so far uh, with in, according to his what he had expected, apparently.
1: Yeah, very true. Apparently, Alex Collins made one of the best moves that Russell Wilson has ever seen ever. in his life. Yeah. Or he 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 made a move that Russell Wilson didn't think he'd seen
0: any other player do before.
1: Right. So there's that. It's hilarious to me. These storylines that come out just (laughs) crack me up. I want to hear one storyline come out and be like, yeah, he sucks right now,
0: but there's still there's time to get better. There's, There's still time to get better.
1: I guess maybe we're seeing that a little bit with the Jared Goff thing, right? Like he's nowhere near ready to play. And you keep hearing all these, all these stories come out about that. I mean, Adam, it's all I can do
0: just to follow the Seahawks. Let, let's not bring the Rams into this. Dude, I, I don't know even rivals, know what team, what, what city they play in anymore. So
1: uh, Los Angeles still or <laughs> <are> again, again. <laughs> but yeah, you got to know your rivals, dude. But no, I would, I just wish that you could get some straight spit out of, these training camps and stuff and i think the best way there was a great article uh on the ringer bill simmons new pod or uh website yeah with hbo and they talked about how to sift through the information that leaks out from these training camps and the off season and all that because it is the silly season and you know the first thing he kind of talked about was these proclamations oh it's the best he's ever looked and he looks faster or he's going to come and play at 218 this year rather than 215 and it's going <laughs> to increase his, Strength or durability. It's also stupid. Basically, his big point was: is read the beat writers, and you'll get a little better sense of what's going on because they're they're there as much as the media is allowed to be, Mm -hmm. and they're on the field and they're kind of watching these guys. So, uh, but we'll we'll go through a a few more of these, uh, you know, storylines from training camp here. But uh, understand that you know, take it with a grain of salt a little bit. I mean, everybody's winning the Super Bowl right now. If you if you read the news that's coming out from every training camp.
0: Oh, well, they have to pump their guys up. I mean, that's you can't expect good performance out of players by knocking them down this early. I mean, Justin Britt's another one of those guys, right, that he's he's moved to center on the offensive Mm -hmm. line, been practicing there. You know, Carol said that he's totally embraced the opportunity, but we don't it's going to be tough to know. I, I guess the thing is, is that we went into week one with a converted defensive lineman who didn't have a whole lot of experience at center. Uh, starting week one last year. So I I feel like I'd have more confidence in Justin Britt uh, (laughs) come week one than than (laughs) Drew Nowak.
1: I don't know, man. I don't know. I I think I do. Do you? Well, I I haven't spent a
0: lot of time thinking
1: about my, you know, what particular confidence level it is, but I feel like it's more. You feel like it's more. Okay. Well, one thing that I found interesting with Pete, ways that you can kind of glean what he's really thinking about players. He's always going to say positive things, right? Right. But the level of positivity is always a little different. That's what I'm like, talking about. Like,
0: if he says, I have to look at the tape, right. then he's not that confident in his, his glowing uh, recommendations that he's, that he's just offered.
1: Right. And if you remember back when Russell Wilson was starting out in rookie minicamp his very first year and you heard Pete talk about him, you got a sense pretty quick that Russell was had a legit shot to win the job. Yeah. Like you got that r- real quick. And cuz his praise was pretty effusive whereas with Justin Britt here at Center the stuff that he's saying is yeah, you know, he em- he's really embraced it. <laughs> uh you know, stuff like that. And it's like, well, that's cool, but none of that says he's doing a good job. I mean, just embracing the challenge doesn't mean that you're succeeding at the challenge. So, I'm I feel like they're this is their last ish effort to get something out of a second round draft pick. They're they're trying it. I don't know that they're overly impressed yet, and they're just happy that they have Patrick Lewis on hand, yeah, uh, just in case. And I don't know, man. It, the, from what I'm hearing with the Justin Britt I am not feeling optimistic, Brandon. <laughs> I did, I did, I do not feel better than the Drew Noak situation. I've seen what Justin Britt can do, and he's not built to play center. He's too damn tall. So I, I don't know. I, I'm a, I'm a skeptic when it comes. You're
0: to You're a skeptic. I understand. I, it's early. And there's a lot of time for Justin Britt to to get in some work. If they're going to have him planned for trying to get prepared for week one in the position, I think he at least has the background and time and to, to get prepared for it to where I, I don't mind falling back on Patrick Lewis is oh, basically. Yeah. Okay, how so it's it not so
1: much that you're you're confident in Brit. It's more that you're confident in the fact that the situation a,
0: this year is better than last year. I think right. at center,
1: and not to mention Joey Hunt. And right. yeah, now that's one guy that I find interesting that we haven't heard much about in training camp. I I had kind of high hopes for him coming in, and I you just haven't heard a darn thing about him. Not yeah, long. I I heard Russell say some
0: good things just about how he um, how well he knows the calls and, and those types of things, you know, Russell Wilson will call out every single player that he's come into contact with. So I, I know right. for a fact that I heard him say something about Joey hunt.
1: Yeah. One thing that Russell Wilson does better than any quarterback in the league is name recall. Yes. He's, he's got that nailed. He, <laughs> he does. Every single person he talked to that day, just boom, 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 probably in order too.
0: if, if Russell Wilson doesn't mention you in an interview, you should feel disrespected because he mentions everybody.
1: He mentions everybody. Yeah, that if he if he doesn't mention you, that is a legit snub. Right. (laughs) That is a legit (laughs) snub because, you know, he didn't forget. Right. Uh, That's pretty funny. But Russell Wilson is
0: looking good. And Pete Carroll talked about it. And and this is like I say, you have to measure his words. Carroll didn't just say that Russell Wilson looked good. He didn't say that he looks great. He was very specific about what he said about Russell Wilson.
2: You know, I'm, I'm kind of happy to, to talk about it because you know you guys have asked me. You know, you know, you know, when's he going to, you know, arrive or how long is it going to take and all that. And I kept telling you it's going to be down the road, you know, and it's going to be, you know, it, it takes four, five, six years, you don't know, for these guys to develop. He's made a he's made a clear step ahead, and uh, his command is like all time, and uh, his ability to move the defenders with with his eyes and the setups and things. Um, he's consistently doing that. You know, and almost unconsciously, he's so, he's so clued in.
0: Russell Wilson is dialed in, and you know what I heard is that Russell Wilson's arrived.
1: Yes, that's, well, that in a clear step ahead, you know, a clear step forward. The idea that when you looked at him at the end of last year, we all felt like he took that step then, right? With the last five weeks of the season, right? When he. Yeah. W- no other quarterback
0: had thrown for what? Three touchdowns a game with no interceptions over a five game stretch. That type of we were talking about how he was the only one in the class that had done that in the history of the NFL, right? That's oh, yeah, it, that's when it felt like he had
1: arrived. Yeah, where he was playing from the pocket and in rhythm and all of that. And for Pete to say that he's taken a clear step forward from there and has really arrived Man, that could mean a lot of dangerous things for the NFL this year. I I hear all the whining and complaining. Well, maybe not whining and complaining, but the hand wringing over the idea in the national media that Marshawn Lynch is retired, and so therefore the whole offense is going to take a step back. Marshawn Lynch basically retired last year. He barely played. Yeah. And they still were okay. So that I'm not so worried about. And hearing that Russell's really kind of taking command of everything, and taking it to even another level, he could be first, second best quarterback in the league this year. It really is. He's hitting the beginning of his prime. The those years where body and mind start to come together. Right. Man, I'm I'm really fired up about it. I know it's hyperbole and I know it's training <laughs> camp. And I know it's all that. But I am fired up, man. Uh well, and, speaking and, of and, hyperbole, you know, it's yeah. you hear a lot
0: of these guys now I think I feel like it's one thing for fans to say it feels like the twenty right before the twenty thirteen season because coming off the playoff loss, as fans we all had that feeling that this was now the Seahawks' time. But now you have players at training camp and at minicamp uh, saying things like it feels that to them it feels like prior to the twenty thirteen season, and that's pretty interesting to me.
1: It's very interesting. I attribute that to. Mainly, for the last two off seasons, there was a lot of distractions, right? Sure whether it was uh, guys being injured or contract disputes or whatever it was, right. Look at how all of the guys are behaving this year. Cam's there he's i got no problems. I'm ready to roll they, like he's focused on winning a championship, yeah Earl's as healthy as he's been in a while. Sherm the same way. Bennett's not barking about his contract. I mean, he is a little but yeah, that for Bennett, That's not saying <laughs> much. You right? know, I mean, I give him a lot of credit. He seems dialed in about yeah. what they're trying to accomplish this year. Same thing with Doug Baldwin. Not worried about the contract situation. Man, I look at the Broncos offseason going on right now. Khalid oh, shoots himself in the leg. Von Miller <laughs> says he might sit out the season. Crap like that felt like the last two seasons, right? Where just everybody's a little scattered in whether that was from winning the Super Bowl or losing the Super Bowl they they really did have a little bit of a lack of focus. They seem dialed in this year. There seems to be a camaraderie among them where they've understood that they have a very special opportunity mm-hmm. to win a couple chips, and they need to be focused and locked in to take advantage of it right now. And that's why I think it feels a little like 2013, because that's how we all felt coming into that season. It was the young guys ready to go with something to prove. These guys are now in their prime instead of being young guys. But they're locked in, and they have something to prove after the last two seasons.
0: Well, speaking of Michael Bennett, you know, there was one thing that stood out. You know, talking about how just how guys have nice things to say about other guys. Michael Bennett on Frank Clark, man, uh, he said that he sees Frank Clark becoming a one hundred million dollar player. Adam,
2: like I tell Frank all the time, I think Frank's going to be one a uh, hundred million dollar player when he when he's, when you think about the way that the. The money's um, going to NFL. His ability to, to rush and his ability to put it all together. When he puts it together, I think he'd be the best pass rusher to come to Seahawks. And I think he'd be one of the best defensive players in NFL. I think he has, you know, the most one of he's the most one of the most talented players I've ever seen. And he's very motivated. He has the right mindset. He just has to put it all together. And When he does, I think he'd be. A, think he's going to be an animal. He's already he's so he's already really good. And he just has to keep figuring out and keep developing and taking that next step.
0: It's one thing for coaches to hype young players, but here you have a veteran hyping a young player.
1: And a veteran who said something along the lines, I think they say that he doesn't pay attention to rookies. Yeah. And I know Frank Clark is in his second year, but this is a guy that doesn't have a ton of respect for the new guys coming in like right, right out of the gate. Right? right. And, and here he is in just being just heaping the praise. on. Does You think Mike Bennett wants to be an agent for Frank Clark, when it's all said and done, because man, he's trying to get them <laughs> checks for Frank Clark right now, like he's already lobbying for it I, 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 good for him, you know it's hilarious, <laughs> but it it does give you some hope that Frank Clark can be a real difference maker in this defense in the defensive line in the pass rush, can take a step forward this year, and he could be a big part of that
0: well, if the Seahawks are going to get back to the playoffs and get back to the Super Bowl, having that depth at the defensive line is going to be important. And when you have guys like Jordan Hill coming back, you need him to stay healthy. You have a couple rookies coming in uh, who could have who could play a big role on that defensive line. You have some veterans that the Seahawks have. They just they have a good mix of guys. You know, Chris Clemens is there and it, it just feels like a good mix of, of leadership and talent and young young players along that defensive line.
1: And it's not just on the defensive line. It's kind of the whole team. There seems to be a good mix of veterans hitting their prime and young guys coming in that are extremely talented and counting last year's draft class and this one. This is it feels a lot like how the Patriots were able to take their first window of opportunity to win championships and then extend it into two more. Yeah, because they've basically had three windows all within Tom Brady's reign there, right? Mm-hmm. Where kind of the supporting cast around him has all kind of changed, and again, and it's another good supporting cast somehow. Like they just seem to kind of turn that roster that way, and it feels like this roster is set up for another mini run here of, a, of three years with a lot of these new talented guys that come in. And we haven't even mentioned Jaron Reed yet, who right. was a guy that people thought was. A top fifteen prospect possibly got him second round. Right. And he could be huge when you pair him up with Ataba Rubin and with that the rest of the defensive line crew. It's really interesting. This this roster is really interesting to me this year. Um and probably a little underrated in the view of the national landscape.
0: Yeah, I, I think you're right. I don't feel like there's a ton of attention being paid to some of the younger Talent and you know, maybe not enough respect to some of the, the talent that's coming in behind a, a guy like Marshawn Lynch. But at the same time, you know, I, I wanted to get your take on how you're feeling about the running game right now, because Pete Carroll said something interesting uh, talking about injury situation. And and I want to play his his quote from the press conference, because he talked about Jimmy Graham and Thomas Rawls and their status uh, going into training camp.
2: they both have made great progress. Um, whether it's, you know, on the first day of camp or not, or it's PUP or whatever, we're going to wait and see how these six weeks play out. Um, it's a really important six weeks because these guys are good enough shape now that they can get in shape. You know, they've, they've worked their way back, um, you know, in the rehab process, and now they're preparing to really push over. Jimmy's a little bit ahead of, of Thomas in terms of the on field running, uh, so he's a bit ahead schedule wise, um, but still Thomas is, is in great shape. So both kids are mentally right. Uh, they've got a great attitude about what they're going to do in these next six weeks. And so we just have to wait and see. And we'll we'll be chronicling, you know, their progress through the, through the off season. Thomas is going to be here the whole time. Jimmy's going to be back and forth. Um, So yeah, it's going to be pretty crucial uh, to see what happens after the six weeks time, but it's not going to tell the story. We, we, we've got a long time here. We'll have another six weeks. We're really 12 weeks away from the first game or 13 or whatever it is. So we got a long time to get this done.
0: So six more weeks before training camp starts. And well, we're already about a week into it, and that's really going to be critical, like you said, for Rawls to get, start getting into shape. And the interesting thing was, it sounds like he's already behind Jimmy Graham, but apparently still in good shape to for getting ready for the season.
1: I think what alarmed me about that statement more than anything was the idea that all through the end of last season, after they were both injured, we kept hearing that Thomas Rawls would be the guy who would have an easier time and be back before Jimmy Graham. And now we're hearing that he's now behind Jimmy Graham in his rehab. Not that he's like not being competitive in the way that he's trying to get back on the field, just that different people heal differently. Yeah. Um, That alarms me. The idea that he could possibly not be ready for the start of the season, that even if he is healthy, as far as his ankle is concerned, it takes a while when you come back as a player from a big injury like that to, one, trust that body part again right? and kind of build that trust back. And then secondly, to go from being in shape to being in game shape, just like Pete was talking about there. So I'm a little concerned that way in the sense that I really want Thomas Rawls out there. He's a dynamic player. But with that said, you can plug Kristen Michael in there for the first three weeks of the season. We'll be okay. I mean, he he showed me enough last year that he can be a productive back even behind a dumpster fire offensive line, it'll be okay.
0: Well, and that's part of the, that's where some of my concern comes in. This, this is really my only concern at this point of, of where I feel about where the Seahawks are at, because you have five brand new guys or in five guys playing brand new positions on that offensive line. Marshawn Lynch is gone. Uh, Thomas Rawls, apparently, you know, I, I, I felt like after he was injured, just that own timeline in my mind and not knowing, you know, how guys are going to respond to injury. I felt like he would be back uh, running, you know, with the offense in mini camp by this time and at the very least ready to go in training camp. But we might not even see him maybe preseason week one if that's kind of how Pete's talking about the injury at this point. So then Rawls is your veteran guy. Kristen Michael is your veteran guy who didn't even make the team last year and had to be brought back. And then the rest of the guys are rookies, so that's where my concern is. And because look, we we hear good things about CJ Procyse and how Pete Carroll has big plans for him, but I I'm sure Pete Carroll would have said that he had big plans for Kristen Michael uh, coming in filling behind Marshawn Lynch too, right? And I I just don't know if if Procyse is going to be the guy, or he was a third round pick, Michael was a second
1: round pick. Yeah, I I think it's as far as your every down back, the guy that's going to be out there on first and second down, it's between Michael and Alex Collins. Yeah, that would be th- those would be the two guys that I'm looking at now. Pro size, he he appears to be too small to be your feature back. You know, down one to down three, and that may be proven out wrong when we start seeing him on the field and all that. I don't I don't feel strong in that yeah that opinion, but. The idea is is I think Alex Collins has the type of game the the style and the size that kind of fits the Seahawks run game uh, a little more than Pro size does as far as your first and second down back, so that'd be my thought there. I guess my concern with the run game is more the offensive line. Um, we did see that i don't know how you feel about this guy, but Eugene Monroe tackle from the Ravens released. Right. he is now a free agent, um a guy that the Seahawks could potentially pick up to solidify the offensive line. Now, I don't know. How do you feel about that? Is that a guy that you're interested in a guy that has come out publicly about the idea that players should be able to smoke weed uh, for medicinal purposes? Uh, I don't care if it's for medicinal or recreational. I could give two craps, like smoke as much weed as you want. That's stupid. Just let people do people things. It it doesn't matter. Yeah. Uh, But is he a guy that concerns you? Is he a guy you're interested in? What well,
0: that, that part of it doesn't bother me. It's can he play left tackle? Uh and you know, we ha Gary Gilliam, the team seems very high on him to the point where I don't know if they would bring in Monroe or not, uh, considering the the price tag that and it's not a huge price tag, right? It's you know, maybe four or five million dollars for one year. I I don't know. But uh, hearing him say that he doesn't have any interest in playing any position but left tackle
1: mm-hmm.
0: is curious to me. Uh, I don't know that that bothers me at
1: all. Yeah, he's a good left tackle. I mean, you well, look and it. that's is, where
0: you're going to make your money, too. Right. If if you come in and, and yes. play on a one year deal, you're expecting that you're going to perform at a level that you can get a better deal the following year. So I, I can understand it from a certain perspective, but to come out publicly or have it come out publicly, maybe he didn't intend for it to.
1: Yeah. I, I don't, I, I don't think that's a weird statement at all. It's like a wide receiver saying he he wants to play wide receiver. Like I, I <laughs> he wants to play the position he plays. Like I get it. That makes sense to me. Um, I think he would be a, a pretty good upgrade. I, he's his level of play. The last couple of years has been at least as good as Russell Okun. So you're, you're talking about a player who's right in that range that you could plug in for a year, take Gilliam, put him back at right tackle where he has some experience and showed some flashes that he could really put it together if you're still high on him. You put Webb on the bench, you keep a Fetty at guard, or you move uh, Webb over to left guard, and away you go. And now you have an offensive line that looks a lot more solid just by adding one guy because now you're taking Gilliam back to the position he has experience in, You've got uh, Webb, who played well as a guard last year for the Raiders, but struggled as a tackle when he was with the Bears. And so you take him out of the tackle position, then you have your first-round big boy stud as your other guard. Man, I think that offensive line looks a lot more dominant than what we got now with all the moving pieces that they're trying to put together.
0: Yeah, I'm not against having offensive line depth either. Uh, The idea of having just start the best guys. And uh, and have it work out that way, whether or not they, you know, if Gilliam beats out Monroe, then great. Then, you know, you have a a guy making more than him sitting behind him on the bench uh, or maybe maybe at that point he'd be willing to make a move over to right tackle. Who knows? But just having that added depth, uh, it wouldn't scare me.
1: Yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, I don't know that Gilliam would be in direct competition with him. I think you just you put Gilliam back over at right tackle. At yeah, that point. and that's
0: why I said you ha- you put yeah. the best guys at the best spots where they're going to succeed. Yeah, but it feels so, like they see Gilliam as that future left tackle. And sure, I don't know. I if they if they don't make the move for it, then I think that uh, that we're that's who we're going to see at left tackle.
1: Oh yeah, I think it's much more more likely that you're going to see. Gary Gilliam at left tackle and Eugene Monroe playing somewhere else than Monroe being a Seahawk and being your starting left tackle. I think it's more likely you're going to see Gilliam. Okay. Uh, Yeah. But it's intriguing. Yeah. You don't see, you don't see guys that can really play come available at this time of year very often. Well, and the whole
0: circumstance behind it too was curious uh, them cutting him kind of after he came out on a, you know, more solidly on his stance um, for what he's advocating for. So, yeah. I don't know.
1: Maybe the Ravens were just worried that he'd get nailed in a drug test. Yeah, could be. That could be I it, mean, too. Who knows? It. It. Not that it matters much. Hey, look, in Washington would be a great state for him to be in. <laughs> in, in that situation. Well,
0: it doesn't uh, make it any less. Uh, you, you can still lose games if you test positive. Well, no I know, but at least he you won't in. be
1: going to jail, too, though. You know <laughs> okay. what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, it gets like, pulled over. No, these over. guys are going to jail. Come on. <laughs> uh, Derek Coleman might be going to jail. Well, not for that was for hit and run. Well, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like that's a you know, if you get pulled over for a speeding ticket, they search your car, and you got weed in the car, and you're in a state where it's illegal, that's a bad day for you. Yeah,
0: that's that's true.
1: Yeah. Anyway, enough about offensive tackles that probably won't play for us. <laughs>
0: Let's talk uh, about guys that that uh, contract situations because okay. Doug Baldwin one of those guys that you're starting to hear a little bit of buzz on them working on a contract for.
1: Yeah. And this was kind of the timeline, right? The, the whole way you heard Baldwin kind of talk the whole thing He's like, ah, we're not talking yet, but we're going to pretty soon. And it, it makes sense. Like the roster's fairly settled now. They kind of have an idea of their plan for the next two years. So now they have an idea of how much cap space they have to play with to extend Doug Baldwin. Uh, it, it'll get done. Yeah. it'll get done. I mean, Baldwin's coming into his fifth year He had the best season of his life last year. He was the most efficient wide receiver in pro football last year. When you look at the amount of targets that he had and the amount of yardage and everything that he racked up with it. And I, he's a no brainer to me. He's a leader. He's a guy that came up through your system. That's a guy you reward and you get it done somehow, some way. And you get it done by not paying any dudes on the offensive line. So if we're not going to pay those dudes, step, like we've one, decided tonight, step one
0: has been accomplished.
1: <laughs> yeah. Give me step two, which is an extension Signed for Baldwin. Doug Baldwin. Yeah. That's all I want.
0: And you hear, I, I've heard John Clayton throwing around the number 10 million is what the Seahawks have in cap room right now, according to him. And the interesting thing is by resigning or by extending Doug Baldwin, it, uh, it, it actually frees up. A little, it would free up a little bit more going into this season, um, which is nice too.
1: Yeah, because they take the cap hit that he would have just straight up this year with the new extension and the guaranteed money. They spread it out over the the cap hit over the uh, length of the extension, therefore lowering lowering the cap hit for this year. Um, there's a little jamming for you right there. Uh, <laughs> I have no
0: idea what you said, but i I, I know it makes. I know it works.
1: It does work, and it probably was a poor way to describe it, but long story short, getting Doug Baldwin re-signed is good for the cap. It's good for the team. It's good for Doug Baldwin's pocketbook. I like it all the way around. It's a win-win-win-win for everybody. Makes Russell Wilson happy. I like it a lot.
0: Carolyn Schneider, now we need to get those deals done.
1: Right. Uh, Did you read the Hawk Blogger article by Brian M. about that this week that came out?
0: I don't think I have. Explain. Okay.
1: Well, it was a little bit interesting. I guess he was starting to voice some concern with the idea that neither of these guys has been signed yet. Mainly because if they want to be there and Paul Allen wants them to be there, Paul Allen's got all the money in the world. Yeah. And there's no, there's no, you can spend as much as you want on coaches. It doesn't count against your cap or anything like that. It's just, it's laissez-faire capitalism in its purest form. If all that was true, they wanted to be there. Paul Allen wanted to be there. All that they'd be signed. And it does start to make you wonder a little bit. Cause you've watched Paul Allen's history with the trailblazers, the other professional sports team that he owns. Yeah. And he's let some GMs go that had done a dang good job. And everybody was stunned when he did it. I I'm starting to get a little bit nervous because <laughs> Pete, but we're getting John into this,
0: this six week period where I feel like it's the sweet spot for this type of thing. And you yeah. have the Doug Baldwin deal that's going to be coming up, uh, you know, get Schne- uh, Schneider and Carroll locked up before the uh, before training camp starts. OK, so
2: let's
1: say everybody has camp sanity
0: and, and these two guys are, don't have a new deal. We And we haven't you know heard it reported. Yeah, I'll be concerned.
1: OK, well, let's say they do sign. Right. Okay. And everything's right in the world and all that. How long do you think, I think Schneider would maybe like sign up for like another five years or something like that, right? Like he's a, he's a young guy, you know, maybe three to five years. How long do you think Pete re, re-ups for if and when he does?
0: I, I think it's going to be two, three years tops.
1: Okay. That was kind of what I my feel guy like, And I feel
0: said. like those two are going to tie themselves to each other in terms of the, the length of the contract too.
1: Is this like an S&M contract? Like what? <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, I mean, not, not physically tied one.
1: <laughs> oh, okay. All right. The contracts um, are going
0: to be at the at the same time period.
1: Gotcha. Yeah. No, and that makes some sense, probably. I mean, if you're John Schneider, like part of your success has been having a good working relationship with this coach. Yeah. Unless he's excited about the idea of working with Tom Cable as the next head coach.
0: Yeah. this years down the road. Yeah. Look, Carol was talking about being here 15 years from now when, you know, uh, Russell Wilson's going into his twentieth year, so right,
1: yeah, yeah, exactly, yeah. What did you make of those comments, Russell Wilson being you know, wanting to play twenty years? I to me, it just was like, well, hey, of if I was do. making that
0: kind of money as a quarterback in the NFL. I'd want to play as long as possible too. You saw yeah. Peyton Manning drag it out.
1: Well, yeah, and he's got to, He's got to somehow. I'm sure there's a competition between him and Ciara on the money front a little bit. He's a competitive dude. Yeah, like he's got to try to out earn her. He may not do it. She <laughs> may smoke him. Like it may happen. It could be a Giselle Brady situation where could be, you know, yeah, Brady's Brady's always going to be second tier there. But plus if, uh, if he wants to be an owner of a professional franchise further down the road, like he's talked about, then he's going to have to get them checks. while yeah, he's playing? We're going to start seeing him in
0: the, the Papa John's commercials before too long. Uh, what other commercials are we going to see him take over? As from long Manig- as it
1: doesn't involve nano bubbles going forward, I'm I'm in like, <laughs> I, that's fine.
0: You can do just about anything. You can do anything then.
1: Yeah. You just research what it is that he's talking about and maybe not make outrageous claims. Like if we could do that, <laughs> that'll be that'll be good. It's a good step. Good it's step. a good step.
0: OK, well, before we get into lists, there's just a couple more things out of uh, out of mini camps that I wanted uh, mm-hmm. to mention uh, that I feel like if we, if we don't at least talk about it, people are going to be upset and that's because the, there's a spot to watch and that's at the, the strong side linebacker position that Bruce Irvin mm-hmm. vacated. And, uh, it sounds like the guy's competing at that spot, Adam, Mike Morgan, your, your veteran backup, mm-hmm. uh, type player, uh, re-signed coming into this year, Cassius Marsh still playing on his rookie deal, Eric Pinkins, another guy competing at that spot. Kind of, for, for, those are the three guys that you hear about at that strong side linebacker position. And Pinkins converted defensive back, mm-hmm. uh, Marsh converted defensive lineman, kind of like Bruce Irvin, a pass rusher that can play that 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 position. Um, all kind of had their own unique skills. Going to be interesting to see what happens in
1: training camp. It it'll be interesting. And Mike Morgan, being the guy that's been with Pete Carroll basically since he popped out of the womb. So I, right. he's got he's got all the experience <laughs> going in the world all the way back to USC. Yeah, before that even, I think you know from some of the high school recruiting oh, and yeah, all that. Be, like, yeah, yeah. So a guy that's very familiar with the system and Pete Carroll's way of of coaching and the defense. Um, I think what you're going to end up seeing ultimately at the strong side linebacker position is a rotation of those three guys I and mean, maybe even a little KPL in there too. I mean, you could you could possibly see that, but the idea is I think that with Brandon Browner being uh, back with the team and that kind of hybrid role they're talking about using him in with that big dime set uh, with the defense. I think you're not going to see a guy out there of at strong side linebackers much. That's going to be the guy that comes off the field to add the extra DB slash linebacker in Browner. So um, I I think that's going to be a spot that is kind of a rotating door all year. And I, and I don't know that that's a bad thing. I think you can play that a little situationally, um, it's not. Look, you can't be awesome at every single position on the field. Um, If this is the one that we're "quote unquote" the weakest at, and we have some good options, guys, they all can play. Yeah, they all can play, and they'll be fine. But none of them are going to be, you know, top tier in the league at linebacker, which well, is
0: okay. I, I think it does give the team that flexibility, that opportunity to play situationally, right? Because you have guys that that have the unique. Abilities and we know that Mike Morgan can play in that spot just fine mm-hmm. and and be a productive player. I just think that it, it does give them that opportunity that if Cassian Cassius Marsh is on the field, he can provide a little bit of pass rush. And you're not nobody's going to be to the level of Bruce Irvin for having that ability to to cover guys to be able to pass rush and and do the other you know set the edge. Uh but I I feel like they can get there with a, a variety of guys and plus you have guys in this position that are all outstanding special teams players. You know, yeah. We, we saw Marsh just light it up toward the end of the season on special teams. Um, Mike Morgan has always, you know, been a solid guy on special teams. So that's where I see the there's opportunities for guys there.
1: There's definitely opportunities. And I think Cassius Marsh could end up being 85% of what Bruce Irvin sure. was. Yeah. I, I mean, he's got some real freakish athleticism. I was, I was really stoked about him when they drafted him. So you know, there's a part of me that secretly roots for him yeah. to, to get extra playing time just because I thought he could really he could really play. Mm-hmm. So it'll be interesting to see. Um, but yeah, I'm glad you brought that up.
0: So Marshawn Lynch on 60 Minutes. Mm-hmm. Uh, did you have a chance? Now, this was I on the, the on Showtime. So it okay. was it wasn't on network TV. Mm-hmm. But if you look, if you know where to look, you can find it online. Right.
1: Oh, OK. I haven't been that diligent, so I have not watched it. Uh, I, I did see the big quote that came out of it.
0: Well, if you if you saw the previews from it, you saw all the anything. all the great points uh, yeah. or all the all the newsworthy points were in sure. the clip, and that was him definitely reiterating that he is retired
1: and not coming back. God might do better this week. Was damn near people are, who keep saying, "Well." There might be a chance of Marshawn... <laughs> you you yeah. just
0: heard Marshawn straight from his own mouth say that there is no chance, and yet you are holding out hope that, that he's going to return.
1: Just... Catfish! Stop it! <laughs> yes. Like, this is the stuff of the off-season that makes my head explode. Like, yeah, but... Well, because you need you need to keep
0: it going so you can get the clicks on those stories... You know, Jason oh, they- Cole, what is he going to do? How is he going to bring clicks to Bleacher Report if he can't keep the idea going
1: that Marshawn Lynch could possibly come back? No, that's a good point because it's definitely, he's not going to bring in the clicks just based on his personality. <laughs> like that's not, that's not how that's going to go. So yeah, it, it is. It's a product of the media being desperate for stories, kind of like the other stories that float around right now. That, how many guys are underrated on the Seahawks right now? Like, because every other day I look on Bleacher Report and it's Russell Wilson is underrated or better than you think. And Michael Bennett's <laughs> underrated. And, you know, Doug Baldwin's toe is underrated. And like, I mean, anything like it could be anybody who's Seahawks water boy underrated. <laughs> like, that's, it's, uh, how many more underrated stories do I get to see? Well, that's why we need to talk about lists, Adam.
0: But uh, I, know. I'm you ready.
1: Know. I have one list that has caught
0: my ire. All right. Well, let's get into the lists because. There's quite a few lists going on. Probably the most prominent one, right, is the NFL Top 100 counting down, Mm -hmm. uh, and and we've seen four Seahawks go so far. We saw Doug Baldwin new to the list at number 72, Earl Thomas at number 66, down 45 spots at him from last year. Mike Bennett jumps 31 spots up to number 59, and then you have Cam Chancellor at number two, up nine spots from last year.
1: Yeah this has been interesting. It's one of those things that you shouldn't care about, but yet somehow I care about it. <laughs> you know, well, that's and all that's
0: every list that we're going to talk about today. Adam is, is that know. we shouldn't care about it, but somehow you do.
1: Well, this is the one that I feel like that's should why have people a write
0: articles about how uh, guys are underrated based on, on their list ranking.
1: Right. And so one of those guys who's underrated is Earl Thomas, write an article, put it up on Bleacher report. It's time because that's the one out of all of them to this point that I look at and go, seriously? Yeah. Seriously? Right. Earl Thomas is the best safety in the league, period. Hands down, there isn't a debate. You can give me Eric Berry all day long, but the thing is, he's not as good. And I understand his story's great, and he survived cancer and all that. Good job. But honestly, I don't give a crap. It doesn't, it, that doesn't mean anything on the football field. Earl Thomas is a better player than Eric Berry. He just well, is. It,
0: you know, if you want to give Eric Berry last year, but it, there were
1: other guys that were ranked ahead of him, not named Eric Berry. Yeah. Well, on top of that, yeah. I just, I'm just making a point. I mean, uh, <laughs> one example. But yeah, Earl severely underrated on the list. I don't know how that happened. Um, it looks like Honey Badger will probably even be above him.
0: Yeah. Oh yeah. He Tell was. Me.
1: Yeah. I yeah. think he made it in the then the top
0: twenty to thirty. Okay. Because I, I didn't catch it this week. So okay. I, yeah. yeah that, they just did uh, Wednesday night. They did the the top thirty-two um, uh, or thirty to forty. To 20. They they went up to 20. Or 21. Oh, okay. They went to 21.
1: Okay. And still no Russell Wilson on the list yet. No Russell Wilson on
0: the list yet. No Richard Sherman on the list. Right. And, and I think that Bobby Wagner Cliff Averill probably not in the top 20 so that means they're outside the top 100.
1: Yeah. And okay fine. I mean Bobby didn't have the greatest year last year and Cliff is just a guy that's chronically overlooked. Like it's just it's just how that's going to be. Yeah. But
0: and you only had two guy, two Seahawks in the top 20 last uh, year. It was Richard Sherman at 11 and Marshawn at number nine. So...
1: Is there a possibility Richard Sherman doesn't make the list this year?
0: No, he's on the list. Come on. He's on the Are top 20. Sure?
1: Yes, I'm positive. I'm just talking in the minds of the player, right? Like, he is not well-liked. And he, he didn't have his best... He not last game. year, anyway. I know, but he had an all-world year last year, or the year before. And this last year, you've watched the Seahawks melt down at the end of games. like. There's, there are reasons that players could find in their mind. No, even See, though they're I, wrong, think,
0: I think Sherman gained some, gained some respect this year among players because he did things like play in the slot. He shut down. Think about that game where he shut down Antonio Brown. That, has got, that gets him in the top 20 uh, no matter what. All right. Well, you're preaching to the choir, man. I just, I'm just
1: asking. I'm just asking. So, well, you're asking I mean, a stupid question. <laughs> yeah, that, that's like every question I ask. I don't know why you're surprised. How is it any different than every other one? So here's a second stupid question. Give me a Russell Wilson prediction of where he comes in on the list. Ooh, and it see, doesn't have to be the actual number, just maybe which quarter in the list of quarterbacks that are on the list. Well, see, is he going to okay, be the first, the, second, third, or like The,
0: the interesting thing is that uh, you had one quarterback at number 21 that I, I almost expected might be have been ahead of Russell, and that was Ben Roethlisberger at number 21. Oh, he came
1: in at 21.
0: He came wow. in at number. He's the he's the number six quarterback. So Russell is the top five. And it's just where he ranks out between Brady, Rogers, I'm guessing Cam and probably Carson Palmer, right? Those would probably be the top yep. four uh, guys that still aren't on the list mm-hmm. that haven't that you would expect to be on the list. Yeah. So to me. I don't think he's going to rank out ahead of Cam because he went to the Super Bowl. Yeah, I, think, I feel like Brady and Rodgers are going to be top five. Maybe. Yeah, um, Rodgers did not have a great year. He didn't have a great year, but he still had his team in the playoffs. So did Russ. Yeah. With less. I, I don't think the players vote in Russell ahead of Aaron Rodgers.
1: They should. I, they should. Russell Wilson was a better quarterback last year than Aaron Rodgers.
0: I would agree with that. So yeah. I, think, I think Carson Palmer's the next guy off the list. I think Russell Wilson comes in. He's got to be ahead of Carson Palmer. He better be. That's what I'm yeah. saying. Okay. <laughs> so maybe t- 15. I'm going to say 15. And I think, I think Sherman Vault's ahead a couple spots. He was 11 last year. I think he makes the top 10.
1: Those are pretty solid predictions uh, right there. I think I, I think I would flip-flop it. Yeah, I think, I think Sherman's going to be around that 12, 13, like somewhere in there. And I think it's going to go Cam, Brady, Russell, as far as the quarterbacks go. And I think Russell ends up in the top 10 of all the players. He's going to come in at like eight.
0: Ooh. Yeah. I wouldn't disagree with that.
1: Yeah. That, that, that's just bull prediction right there on a list that doesn't matter. So,
0: <laughs> well, Let's he was 22 about- last year. So he's already, he's already up spots from last year.
1: Yeah. Good point. Um, let's
0: talk. So the Can only I? guy to go down on the list, Earl Thomas and Marshawn Lynch didn't make it this year. Cause he retired.
1: Right. Yeah. So I guess that makes sense. Let's talk about another list, Brandon, that has to do with our quarterback. And, uh, this list came directly from planet Prisco. Oh,
0: I don't and, think I've seen this
1: one. Oh yeah. Pete Prisco's Prisco. I thought you were going to say Bill year.
0: Barnwell. Cause we have to talk about his list too.
1: Okay. Um, Yes, so Pete Prisco.
0: We need some Planet Prisco music. I'm sorry, that, that has to happen.
1: <laughs> yes, all right. All right, Brandon, you're our producer. You're going to have to make it happen. Can you find something and put it underneath this when we, when we start talking right now?
0: Uh, probably not that quick. But right, okay. I, I, Did, or do
1: we need like a Planet Prisco sounder? Like or just, you just hit a button, like a sound effect, and you know, whatever. Not like that, because that'd sound lame.
0: But <laughs> something, cool, something to signify that yeah. it's Planet Prisco time.
1: Planet Prisco time, Okay. Well, let's get on that. We'll do that. All right. But from Planet Prisco. It's
0: Planet Prisco time. Yeah,
1: exactly. <laughs> exactly. That's all I wanted. All right. So top 100 for Pete Prisco. And I'm going to, since you haven't seen the list, I'm going to have you guess, because he's the number one Russell Wilson hater in the media. Yes. Like, bar none. Where does Russell Wilson come in on his list? Because he did make the list, thank God. But where do you think he came in on the list?
0: Okay, exp- set this up a, a little bit more. The, the, the list just for...
1: Top 100. Just top 100 just players top of 2015. Top 100 players.
0: This isn't just quarterbacks. Of
1: 2015. Yeah, no. Top 100 of 2015 for Pete Prisco.
0: Of all NFL players. So it's like all the NFL, NFL top 100, players. except this is Prisco's According world to t- to Pete top 100.
1: Prisco. Yeah. From planet Prisco.
0: Uh, knowing Prisco, I'm going to say... Sh- 56.
1: Oh wow well he got a little higher than that,
0: but not much okay Russ
1: came in at 45.
0: Well, he came in higher than my expectations for Prisco so that <laughs> maybe that's a win. Maybe we're uh, winning as Seahawks fans Adam.
1: <laughs> there are guys of the ilk named Taryn Armistead who's what is it uh 11 spots higher. I don't Russell. even know who that is. That's my entire point. <laughs> There are guys that are on here. He's from the Saints. I think he's a linebacker. He's a young guy. But look, those are the types of guys that he has above Russell Wilson on this list. Now, let's just talk about the quarterbacks that he has above I, I feel like, like I'll Wilson. know those names. Oh, yeah. You'll know those names. Um, the first one that bothers me a lot, actually is that coming in at 44, so one spot. It
0: better not be Jay Cutler. Jay Cutler better not be ahead of Russell Wilson. It
1: might as well have been (laughs) because this guy threw about as many picks. It's Andrew Luck. Okay. A dude who was hurt almost all last year, had an awful year, and he's one step higher, one slot higher (laughs) than Russell Wilson, who took his team to the playoffs and had the best passer rating in all of football. All football, better than Brady, better than Rodgers, better than everybody. And he's got Andrew Luck a step ahead of him. Because he's a heightist, and he likes his big, tall, white quarterback that throws from the pocket. And he can't stand the fact that Russell can still, that he proved that he can do that now, and he's better than Andrew Luck. He's the best quarterback from that draft class. It's not even an argument now.
0: And this is what we're doing. That that, that was the first one. Well, this is where I have the problem with some of these lists, similar to the NFL top 100 list is do you base it based on the 2015 performance or expectations for 2016? Or is it a combination of the two? Because Andrew Luck was all the way down in the 90s. And if you're just talking of pure talent, you'd expect Andrew Luck to be much higher. But uh, in the NFL top 100, but. If it, it's where that it gets messy, where that combination is, because if you're just going off of, of twenty fifteen, you can't say you can't say Andrew Luck was better than almost any quarterback last year. You can't say he was better than Matt Hasselbeck because Hasselbeck won you more games in twenty fifteen for the Colts.
1: It's a little bit of what you've done before and what you're doing now, for sure. I mean, it, it really is. But I think even then, it's, it's, a, it's a reflection you can't of Andrew Luck ahead of Russell Wilson because you, Russell has
0: proven to this point. And you can expect going forward similar results. You have to put him ahead of luck.
1: Look, all I know is that Russell Wilson has been to two Super Bowls. He has a chip already. And it took his team on a big-time run through the second half of the season where he tore the league up. And dang near brought him back against the Panthers in Carolina in in that playoff game. Look, Russell Wilson's clearly better. So, Andrew Luck, he's your first quarterback ahead of Russell Wilson. Drew Brees is next at 43. Which, look, Drew Brees is a fine player, but I think at this stage Russell's in their passed career, him up. Russell's passed him up. So Drew Brees, uh, a, a better, and again, another traditional pocket passer. So that looks great for for Pete. See, and that's where, which guy would you rather have on your team going forward?
0: Like, I can see maybe making an argument for guys wanting Andrew Luck and his skill set going forward. But at this point... You aren't going to say, if I'm drafting quarterbacks for my team, that I'm going to take Drew Brees over Russell Wilson right now.
1: No, I, let's say you're picking quarterbacks for just next year. For just next year.
0: I'd still pick Russell Wilson
1: over Drew Brees. Uh, and and Andrew Luck. Yeah. I mean, from what I've seen, yeah. I mean, and I like Andrew Luck. I think he's a good quarterback. He's just not better than Russ.
0: He's a lot better at throwing interceptions, too. Yeah,
1: absolutely. Number 38, Carson Palmer. Ahead. Ugh of Russell Wilson on this list is Carson why?
0: Palmer going to survive 2016 season. No. Like what week is Carson Palmer going to be injured by
1: six and a half. And it's because he gets injured during practice. That's why <laughs> I say six and a half. That's a, that's as far I think as he that's makes a fair it. guess. Okay. Um, so Carson Palmer at 38. I don't even know if I need to talk about that. I mean, just bleeping duh. I mean, there's no way, there's no way Carson Palmer is a better player than Russell Wilson. Um, and then we get up into his, uh, you know, about the top 10 area. He's got Cam Newton at 12 ahead of him, uh, ranked all the way up at 12. Russell Wilson at 45.
0: Wow. That's way too many spots between those guys.
1: That's insane. If, that's if insane. you had Russell
0: at, you know, 15 and Cam at 12. Okay, whatever. That's Prisco. Yeah.
1: Yeah, exactly. And considering but, it's Prisco. Considering it's Prisco, but he likes his big, tall, strong quarterback, you know, and then Bennett seven. Big Ben, I get that. Roethlisberger had an amazing year last year. Tom Brady at five. And he's got Aaron Rodgers as number one in the entire league. A guy that did not have a good year last year. And don't give me that crap that all his receivers were were injured and blah, blah, blah. Look, he still played behind an offensive line that blocked for him. Russell Wilson didn't have that. What, What was the reputation of our receivers going into last year? That they were all terrible. They were pedestrian, right? And yet Russell Wilson led the league in passer rating. Don't give me that crap that Aaron Rodgers is still the best player in the league. He's not, he slipped last year. He did. And I can't blame him. He's probably distracted by a super hot girlfriend. Like I, I, I understand he's got other things like that's fine,
0: but Rodgers could bounce back. I'm okay with him being number one. Aaron Rodgers <laughs> can't be the number one player in the league I last give year. Pete Prisco credit for having Russell in the top 50. You might be banned from the show. I feel like that's I feel like that's a good step for him. We need to we need to be more encouraging of Pete Prisco, Adam. We we need to help him along and say, you know what, Pete? Good job. You had Russell in the top fifty. You are you are doing better. We've told you many times to do better, and now you are. We're we're proud of you, Pete.
1: Well, okay. I understand the whole stick and carrot thing, like with certain <laughs> people, but it's like when you're raising kids, right? Like there's some kids. You you can do the carrot thing all day long and it works perfect, right? Like they just need the praise and like all that. Like you give them a half a stern look and they're crushed, right? And then there's some kids that are just they're just hell on wheels, and the only thing that's going to get their attention is the stick. Pete Prisco needs the stick, Brandon. (laughs) Like we got to beat this into him. He's too dense. He's too dense. We tried the stick; it hasn't worked. (laughs) No, the carrot's never going to work either. He's too dumb. We need more stick,
0: (laughs) bigger sticks.
1: Yeah, yeah. Brow beat Pete Prisco into liking Russell Wilson. All that, right, all right, that was that was the one list I want to talk about. What other well, what other list did you have? Well, I think
0: I have more lists, but let, let's run down two uh, okay. because there's these two I think were the most important. Uh, Elliot Harrison of NFL Network, uh, mm-hmm. probably he's I think he's better known for for talking fantasy football, but he picked the the best defenders for each franchise in the NFC. Oh, okay. So, who do you think comes out number one for the in in the entire Seahawks franchise? uh, Like all time or this year? All time. Oh, the best Seahawks defender. Who are you putting at number one?
1: I, I mean, got to go Cortez. You would think so, because he's the one guy that made
0: the Hall of Fame, right?
1: Well, yeah, and he was. He's the most. He was just the most dominant, the most game-changing guy. I mean, he was. He's one of the best at his position for his era. Like, it wasn't even close. In the original article
0: that Elliot Harrison published, no mention of Cortez Kennedy. What? No mention. With Earl Thomas. Did- Earl Thomas. He says narrowly edges Kenny Easley and Richard Sherman uh, as the leading man on on the Seahawks defense, uh, despite playing in the back end. So I hope
1: you twittered Elliot Harrison. Uh, a link to our top 15 uh, <laughs> well cortez
0: I've, wasn't uh, li- listed among our top 15 um and well, so know, maybe but- maybe that was kind of his problem is that he didn't look at the seahawks hall of fame list uh and, and see cortez right. Kennedy. but i did tweet adam adam and Ooh. guess what the result was i checked back on his article and he had added this sentence to his article from when i previously read it Cortez Kennedy also nabbed a Defensive Player of the Year in 1992, and like Easley, was a primary consideration for this list. A primary consideration, though I left him completely unmentioned the first time I published the story.
1: Brandon, you are now, we have now gotten to a point in this show where we're big enough to affect other <laughs> national writers. Like, look what you did, man. Look at the power you wielded right there. Well played, well played. Yep. He he buckled to the pressure that you put on him.
0: He buckled to the pressure. The Seahawks put a little pressure out there too. They they mentioned his list and and noted the fact that Cortez wasn't mentioned. But yes, I I I tweeted no, it was you. I, I tweeted him and hashtagged it do better. And so I I feel like Good. that was uh that was the proper response.
1: Yeah, you pound-signed it do better?
0: Yes. Oh, yeah. Okay, cool. I used the pound sign.
1: Yeah, because that's yeah. what it is. It's a freaking pound <laughs> sign. It's not a hashtag. You can't just steal a symbol. You so he added, he added that one sentence, and then in the following
0: sentence, uh, which originally read, but the trump car here is that, that Thomas's contributions to two Super Bowl teams, a height Easley's teams could never reach. Uh, he went in and said Easley's and Kennedy's teams could never reach. So the difference mm. is Thomas... As many All Pro nods and uh, just as and, and five Pro Bowls, uh, he's matched easily. But he has a ring, so that's what edges Earl Thomas out. And apparently, okay. he thinks he's better than Richard Sherman too. Because, well, of
1: the, yeah, I mean, look, you can make, but those still arguments all, all more day. All Pros
0: and Pro Bowls than than Richard Sherman sure. too. So, I
1: and we have a, a recency bias, right? Like, as oh yeah, a, you know, I mean, it's a guy that you've seen the most recently. And so. I'm okay. I'm
0: okay with him picking Earl Thomas over Cortez Kennedy based on yeah. on on championship rings. I I just uh, Cortez deserves a mention, and I'm I'm glad he put it back in there because yeah you can't you can't mention the top defenders of the Seahawks
1: and not mention right. Cortez Kennedy. Yeah, no, that's a good call. Let me tell you about another flawed list here, Brandon. They go. I mentioned the ESPN roster rankings, right? Yeah. Um, it's Sam uh, Monson from Pro Football Focus did this, and it was an insider thing. So I I have I can't see the full list because I refuse to pay for that garbage. But
0: you you have um, to pay to see a list.
1: Yeah, well, it's an it's an ESPN Insider feature, so like well, this is gotta, why you got
0: to do Reddit, Adam, because this stuff is on Reddit.
1: Oh, okay. Well, I didn't do the Reddit, but what I did do is I found uh, an article that Shil, uh Capadia had done, um, where he did a little Q and A back and forth with the dude that wrote this. He had the Seahawks ranked as the 13th best roster in the in the league, and I'll make this quick because we've gone con- kind of on long, <laughs> but. The Eagles were number five on their list for roster talent. Yep. The complete roster Eagles. Number five Seahawks 13.
0: Well, they did just pay Fletcher Cox a boatload of money. So,
1: well, cool. But I mean, (laughs) there is not the Eagles couldn't even win the worst division of football last year. And they're yeah, number five well, in talent. And they're number five <laughs> in talent somehow. And the Seahawks are 13. Well, you
0: know, Brandon Meebane went to the Chargers and said they had a more talented defense. It doesn't mean that they can actually be good. It just means that they have talent.
1: Oh, well, cool. Hey, but Brandon <laughs> Meebane plays for that team. I get it. Like I understand why you have to say that. Sam Monson doesn't play for any of these teams. I mean he's got no he's got no horse in the race. Like I don't understand it. His big reasoning was Lynch retired and the offensive line is going to stink. And it's like offensive line stunk last here. And Lynch basically had retired last year and still managed to go and win a game in the playoffs. Yeah. So, and the Eagles couldn't win the worst division of football. Cool. Uh, another list that stinks. <laughs> Just wanted to bring it up. We could go
0: out. on. We could go on. Maybe I'll save some of these other lists for next week.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That's probably a good idea because I don't think there's going to be any news. <laughs> that's,
0: that's probably true. We might have to wait a couple weeks. Yeah. Well, and it's going to be our season for a uh, Know Your Rival series, Adam.
1: Yeah, we definitely need to get back into that. I enjoy those quite a bit, um, especially because uh, it's going to be fun talking to the rivals this year because they're, they're all going to be bad. And that's going gonna, gonna to help with the conversation.
0: What do you say we come back and we talk Boz? We talk some Do Better and Better at Life and some like listener it. feedback, too.
1: All right, man. Stay tuned.
0: This podcast is the official podcast of the official booster club of the Seattle Seahawks getting into the second half of the show. We want to talk some Brian Bosworth. We got some feedback from him based on our top 15. We got, we got feedback from you, the listeners uh, on our top 15. We want to get to some of that. And then of course we have our do better and better life.
1: You bet, man. Uh, this has become a full show somehow. I know and, uh, it, uh, was, we waited
0: long enough and you know, we had two weeks in there where we were not talking uh, current mm-hmm. events so it uh, and, and plus our top 15 actually created things to talk about,
1: like these messages from Brian Bosworth in my Twitter, <laughs> which is still mind blowing, still mind blowing. I was I was working in South Carolina, came out of the sawmill and saw uh, your post and I couldn't check my phone because I had lost it. And uh, and I but I saw your post on the, and I just I couldn't I couldn't believe it. I couldn't <laughs> believe that it actually happened.
0: So here it was um, I'm going to read the the portion that I read uh, before the Kenny Easley episode. And if you haven't checked out the top 15, uh, you can go back, check those out. They're all there. I redid it. So all the intros with the ads about voting uh, since voting is out, I, I removed all those. So now you can go back, listen to those anytime. You don't have to worry about hearing the stuff about the voting. And uh, they're there for your enjoyment. So. Brian Bosworth, first message uh, that comes in from him says, listen to your podcast. It was informative, but not exactly accurate. Your guest didn't know all the facts, but did have a lot of opinions. So he attempted to tie together moments with perceptions, although I will never accept the bust label. I understand there will always be strong opinions on that. Uh, I know many of my choices back then were based out of immaturity, but my passion and love for the game was always uh, based in helping my teammates win first. Believe me when I say no one carries a heavier heart of disappointment than I do for not achieving the level of success that was afforded me back then, aside from the chaos I chose to create off the field due due to my own immaturity and lack of wisdom and grace. Every moment I had the honor to wear the NFL jersey and specifically the Seahawks jersey, I always felt the privilege of knowing the tremendous sacrifice and dream every football player has inside their heart to play between the lines. Yes, I wish I could go back in time and lock myself in a room with myself, and beat the buzz out of me. Uh, I know that I cannot, but what I can do is remind every athlete that the gift of God has given you to is to be honored and shared, then passed on so the dreams have a place to play. The one statement your guest did make that I agree with was the raising of the 12th man flag that is an honor uh, for the type of individuals that inspire the best in us all and give hope to those who believe great things happen by your will and his grace.
1: Super cool. And I think in his response, you do get a sense of the same thing that you got a sense of in the 30 for 30 documentary. Um, just how much he's grown up, his perspective since uh, those times, and that uh, and that he is a, a, a pretty good guy these days. And I think it, that comes across uh, strongly there. Um, it, just uh, I, I didn't say bust on the top 15 because I, I was more of the idea that the shoulder industry was shoulder injury is what held him back. And much like my mouth is holding me back right now. Like (laughs) I can't talk, but I, I don't know that it's fair to call him a bust either, but I mean, just because your body gives out on you, I don't know that that makes you a bust.
0: Yeah. And that's why, and and I did, uh, I reached out to him and talked to him about coming on because it would be an interesting discussion to have from him because um well he he did send more too um to whether or not he feels like the bus label is even appropriate for guys who just had the expectations but didn't even have the level of talent or maybe didn't weren't willing to put in the work like where do you use that that bus label and and that's why I think when Mark Said it, it was kind of a bus due to injury uh, tag, right? Yeah. Because it was yeah. and and you're not going to eliminate the the bus tag from the Internet uh, when you talk about Bri- uh, Brian Bosworth, because I mean, you, you Google Bosworth and and that's what kind of articles you're going to see everywhere. Right. Yeah. But uh, so he says, like most of the players that are fortunate to make it in the NFL, injuries are uh, a key to uh, avoiding injuries is a key to a successful career. Some players come in and are not ready or willing to do what is necessary to stay for long, but once an injury takes place, the mindset of the player changes. Depending on the severity of the injury and, most importantly, the way the team manages the injury, player, team goals, determine in the direction the player's career will go. Having been in that situation, I understand the pressures placed on the player, coaches, and medical staff. Tough to balance for all involved, giving owners expectations, fans expectations, coaches desires. Necessity to win games, popularity of teams to gain media exposure in order to push the brand of the NFL to the fans. Players always want to play, but most of the time it is not in the best interest of the player's health to allow the the player to make that decision. Very tough to separate the emotion and passion for the game versus sacrificing your long-term health uh, to play the next game or play or season. Uh, Fear that it will all be taken away or you'll lose your opportunity guides our desperate minds to play the game no matter what the cost. The desperation is the dark side of the NFL and what most players end up living with once the game is over. He says, that is why I don't like the word bust when referring to athletes. It does not describe the heart, passion, sacrifice, respect, love, honor, commitment, desire, selflessness, or dream of an athlete and should never be labeled as such. Should any athlete, no matter the level of accomplishment, accept that label, then we stop reaching inside ourselves to see what we could be. We may fall short of expectations, but that lies in the minds of others, not the athlete. And he says, proud to be a Hawk of the past and thrilled to watch how successful the Hawks are doing. Go
1: Hawks. Nice. And yeah, he does make a good point uh, about all that. It was really cool that he was kind enough to reach out and give his perspective on that um, because he's right on the sense that, I mean, just getting to that level and everything they put into it just to get to NFL, I mean...
0: Right, because bust is synonymous with failure, right? In a lot of people's minds.
1: Right. But I would only disagree with him in one sense, yeah. and I would ju- it just Trent Richardson. <laughs> <laughs> that's, all, that's all I can say, you know?
0: Well, and that's, that's I think, the, the one sentence takeaway that I get from it at the end is, is we may fall short of expectations, but that lies in the minds of others, not the athlete, and that's this as fans, our expectations are are so much higher because we haven't yet seen the success on our particular team. Right. But from a player's perspective, they've had success, you know, going through. To, they were every guy in the NFL was probably the best player on his high school team, like the best player, uh, just blowing probably. away guys yeah. at that level and then they go to college and yeah depending on the college you go to you're you're probably the best player on the team but you might be one of the best players on the team and then you go to NFL and everybody's at that level by that particular time and you're you in your mind you're not a bust at that point because you succeeded by making it to the NFL really hard to do
1: very true man couldn't agree more
0: still not going to be able to eliminate the word bust from uh, reporters minds in in terms of no, uh,
1: <laughs> no because I mean, you got to have sensational words used to for clickbait. I mean, that's that's the world we live in
0: now. And to me, it's it's not so much sensational, but, um, you know, that's the words that we use. Mm -hmm. I mean, and that's uh, whether or not whether or not it means and that's it's based off of fan and and reporter expectations, not off the player. So uh, it's just a different perspective.
1: Yeah, very true. All right. So we
0: got some other feedback from our top 15 uh, from uh, DCH at. Oh, yeah. C-H-A-N-H-A-R-Y, if you want to follow him on Twitter, uh, says, fantastic series, fellas. Definitely worthy of an award on its own. You made the 2016 offseason rock. Got one from Alofa Brad on Twitter. Uh, I think you two hit this one perfectly. Really enjoyed the series. A lot of people that I knew of, but was too young to
1: know. That's awesome. And kind of uh, kind of the point. I'm glad people were liking it.
0: Yeah. Keith Ketover, our original patron donor, mm-hmm. uh, Patreon donor. Uh, I really hope at got 44 comes on the Seahawkers pod. Uh, it's time for the 12s to hashtag embrace the boss or pound sign, embrace the boss. Yep.
1: Pound sign, embrace the boss. You bet. I like it. That would be really cool, man. I mean, I don't know. Maybe he'd be down. I, it sounds
0: like once the season gets closer, we, uh, we reach out to him and see what he says.
1: Oh, cool. That'd be great.
0: And then one from Tim Connolly at 12th man, Tim, the word spelled out 12th, uh, and uh, if you haven't been listening to the Seahawkers podcast, top 15 former Seahawks countdown, you should be great little history lesson for the 12s.
1: Awesome, man. Thanks, thanks. thanks a lot. We appreciate that. And appreciate all you that uh, voted as well in the podcast awards. And uh, like I said, we just tried to put something together to, uh, to give to you guys. Uh, it, Way for to say in thanks for, for your yeah. yeah,
0: for getting us in there and uh, a, a nice little reminder of, of voting every day. And, We got to learn a little something ourselves. It was a good time. It was a good time. A couple emails from John Davison, really enjoying the daily pods and listening to them (laughs) reminds me to vote, which I am doing every day. Cunning plan. eh? A.C. It it worked for for John. Uh, The reason I like them is because they are from way back. And at that time, we were not getting any detailed information about them over here in England, that was all over the country, uh, John, not just uh, if you were outside the Pacific Northwest in the 80s. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and, Mark, and Mark talked about a little bit because being in L.A., um, you know, he, he talks about, you know, the Seahawks being essentially South Alaska. You know, this, there was a good point that illustrated this because uh, Brock and Salk talked about, uh, you know, I brought up the the top defensive player list uh, for the Seahawks and uh, Mike Salk on that show said he had never heard of Kenny Easley. What? Yeah. Wow. That's and amazing. So that's why I think if you were outside the Pacific Northwest, maybe you just didn't know. And like like we talked about, it wasn't really until the Boz came around that it really, there was a Seahawks player that was on the national radar.
1: Yeah, that's true. And especially back in that day, um, it was all the big markets, right? It was New York or LA. Those are right. the only franchises that really got a ton of uh, of pub, maybe a little bit of Chicago being the third biggest media market. But yeah, yeah.
0: Miami, probably. Yeah.
1: South Alaska doesn't get much. That's for sure. And back in that day. Thank God. That's a new new day and age, man. Yeah. Thank goodness for the Internet. Yeah.
0: Uh, so he says, uh, I, I'm learning more about some really good players for the Hawks. Hope you win. Uh, Go Hawks from John Davidson. He says, P.S. My favorites have to be Kenny Easley and Steve Hutchinson. So enjoyed yesterday's program. Uh, this was after the the Steve Hutchinson. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he says, now I understand the poison pill better. And he says, oh, cool. Dave Craig is all time.
1: <laughs> I caught some flack on the Dave Craig thing. Yeah, that's okay. Yeah, that's all right. But uh, no, I'm glad glad you enjoyed it, John. You can't make a list without mentioned.
0: taking a little bit of flack.
1: Well, yeah, that's fine. I can take it. I'm a big boy. Yeah. Uh,
0: <laughs> yeah. Tim from Austin, Texas. You guys are yeah. doing a great job. I have been a 12 since 1976. So I am uh I am I am so enjoying your current series on previous Hawks. Keep up the great work. Love your personality, passion, and professionalism. I hope someday I can have a beer with you guys while watching a Hawks game. Uh Seahawkers is my favorite sports podcast by far. Thank you. Wow. Go Hawks.
1: Dude, thank you, man. And uh hey, you just got to make it to Montana. Yeah. And which I mean, yeah, this may make you mad, but it's better than Texas. You'll ha- you'll <laughs> like it here.
0: <laughs> Less humid as it turns out.
1: <laughs> yes. Yeah. Less hot.
0: Guys, found your podcast a few weeks ago and love it. I hope you do an honorable mention podcast for guys like Kearney, Bobby Ingram, and Seneca. Kind regards, RJ Pewterbaugh.
1: You know, cool to have you come on board, RJ. Uh, Always excited that there's new listeners uh, coming in all the time. Uh, I like... Those are good honorable mentions, though, right? Yeah, they're honorable mentions. Yeah, Seneca Wallace is a guy that... I had a soft spot for, um, you know, Patrick Kearney w- came in and I, I guess I, he's, he's a good player for us, but I think of him more as a Falcon always. Yeah, than Patrick as, Kearney you know, is
0: kind of in the, and Chad Brown is kind of the that, that same yeah. type of guy. Cause Chad Brown yeah. came from the Steelers and, yep. and both of them had a really solid uh, seasons with the Hawks. Um, But yeah, you kind of, you still think of them as being with their original team, but both yeah. great free agent pickups uh Bobby Ingram, one of those wide receivers, yeah. You know, let's talk a couple guys that you would have liked to cover or maybe disappointed that we left off the list. Was there anybody uh that comes to your mind oh, in, wow. in in that Adam? I I think for me guys that I had trouble not talking about. I wanted to talk about Lofa Tatupu, linebacker, you know, yeah. current coach. Uh We went
1: back and forth on that one. He he was um, right
0: on the edge. And you know, yeah. Marcus Trufant and Matt Hasselbeck, you know, those guys both would have been on the list, but they played for Carroll. So right. Uh, right. that took him off of our criteria.
1: Yeah. Well, just because we figured most folks knew those guys. Well, Like um, you said,
0: with Holmgren, you wanted it to be educational. You didn't want it to be too recent.
1: No, not too recent. And because, look, kind of the the benefit that you get by doing it, doing it the way that we did was, uh, for those of you who get killed as being a bandwagon fan and all that, well, now you, now you know more about the team. It, you didn't have to be a fan there to... During that time period, to appreciate those players now, like I mean, you can go back and look at the history of it and appreciate the history. You can't. And now you got a little bit more knowledge. You got some old school names you can throw around. Got a little information to back up those names. It's better for your 12 them. It's a
0: deal. Yeah. Even the Seahawks uh, in their their rookie minicamp or after the not after the after the rookie minicamp. You know, did you hear the the news that they're doing the rookie symposiums different this year? Right and yeah. And so they're doing them all in-house now, which is a great idea because the NFL they just flew the the drafted the guys who actually were drafted and put them all in a big room and had this rookie symposium like in Canton or wherever they had it yeah. um, but now they're leaving it up to the the teams to uh, kind of coach up the rookies on uh, on all these things that they they want league wide uh, the rookies to kind of get an understanding of. And it just makes a lot more sense to have the teams do it because like what the Seahawks did is they had they were able to bring in guys that were former Seahawks and then talk about uh, give them some kind of uh, introduction to the culture. You know, they talked about some of the big moments in Seahawks history, you know, like Paul Allen buying the team and and just, you know, being able to introduce them to old players, past players and some big moments in franchise histories. They they aren't going to get that type of. Uh, indoctrination from the the huge NFL uh, rookie nope. symposium. So
1: All, all you're going to get is Herm Edwards saying, don't press in! <laughs> or Chris <laughs> Carter
0: telling you that you got to have a fall guy.
1: Well, you do have to have a fall guy. <laughs> that was good advice, and I know he got banned for it, but it was smart. It was smart stuff.
0: That's true. <laughs>
1: but, but yeah, it, it' good on the Seahawks. That'll be cool for the rookies. And you know, with the way that they take... Uh, player development as seriously as they do, they'll do it better than everybody else. You know that they will. And so that's pretty cool.
0: And, uh, just other guys that kind of on my mind, Eugene Robinson, I know we had a hard time leaving him off the list. I, that
1: would have been the one I was having a hard time remembering guys that weren't on my, I mean, I wish I had my little notepad where I had my guys that did and didn't make it, but that would be one for sure.
0: Yeah. Brian blades, Daryl Jackson, if you're going to yeah, go Brian wide blades receivers, been a really
1: good one. Steve D-Jack. Rabel
0: was a wide receiver that, you know, that we initially nah, had on the right. list. We were going to talk Steve Rabel, but because he is the voice of the Seahawks kind of guy, you should probably already know. Yeah. And, uh, and but, then, but a
1: lot of people didn't know that he played, you know, like, and
0: that's the thing. It's important to know that he actually wore the Seahawks uniform and, yeah, and he played was on wide my, receiver.
1: Yeah. He was on my initial list for yeah, sure.
0: Yeah. So. Uh, Rufus Porter, another linebacker, just yeah. and another, like Max Strong, Rufus Porter, uh, one of the great strong Seahawks name. names,
1: strong name. Yeah. But, uh, well, cool, man.
0: Uh, Norm Johnson points leader for the Seahawks all time field goal yeah. kicker. Yeah. Um, Michael Sinclair, all-time sack leader in a season for the Seahawks. Sherman yep. Smith, the first running back for the Seahawks, and the current running back coach. <laughs> How many more names you got, Brandon? I'm surprised. Chris Warren. I, uh, Chris Warren. Okay. Uh, we talked about Chris Warren, but he didn't have his own spot on the list. I'm <laughs> done right. now. I'm done.
1: I feel like you had to get some off your chest there. I didn't realize. So Chris sorry, Gray. But... Chris
0: Gray is another one. I see. I could. Okay. There's guys that I just.
1: Okay. Okay.
0: A yeah, guy in guys. the trenches. That. Uh... Yeah.
1: Yep. But uh it was tough. Okay. It was tough willing it down, but I think we did a good job.
0: Yeah. I think we did. And it gives us some room to to talk more of these guys down the road. Exactly. All right. Uh have some welcome to the flock conversation to talk. Awesome. Yeah, we got some more donors that came in over this last period. Very cool. Uh at uh getintheflock dot com. They they donate on our Patreon page. Jay Leonard, welcome to the flock. Uh you ever see the movie Leonard Part Six, Adam, eighties movie? No. I'm thinking that that maybe we should assign like movie star status or something to our our long term like not movie stars but like uh, give him a name or something. You know, DCH has a cool call sign. He's he's been with the show for a long time, right? I think maybe on like the one year anniversary, like Jay Leonard graduates to uh, like Leonard Part Six. Like he gets a name based okay. off of a of an '80s movie.
1: Oh, uh, okay. So there will be a theme which within we can work in, just not not just a broad blanket. Find a nickname for. Yeah, I think it has to
0: be an 80s movie. Okay. So, like, maybe Willow. I don't know how that ties to Jay's name, but.
1: uh, Right. You're just picking an 80s. uh, Well, no, you do Willow with, uh, like, uh, Ross Willwarding. Like, you know, Willow and Willwarding, like, you know. It kind of fits. Yeah. Maybe. I don't know. I mean, everybody's got a better idea, I'm sure. When you get to that status, you get input, though. Like, well, let's let people uh, help decide that. See, I think
0: uh, Ross probably gets. Oh, since he's our biggest money donor, uh, what was the 80s movie with Michael Douglas that uh, um, all of them? <laughs> <laughs> you no, know, the greed is good. You know where he has that oh, line. Oh, yeah. I know what you're talking about. But yeah. Yep. Maybe maybe we just refer to him as Gordon Gecko, uh, Wall Street. Oh, okay. oh, yeah. Ross will be Wall Street.
1: All right. There you go. All right. <laughs> cool. Well, we'll figure it out. Or like we'll our next
0: uh, person that will welcome to the flock, Nick Drage. See, if, if Nick stays with this, with us for a year, uh, mm-hmm. he gets to be like Bloodsport because, you know, like Van Damme was Frank Dukes in Bloodsport. Blood Nick Drage mm-hmm. sounds like he'd be a participant in the Kumite.
1: Okay, so he'd just be the sound of the name itself. It feels Bloodsporty to you.
0: It does. Nick okay. Drage feels like a name from Bloodsport.
1: Okay, because like I could almost go Rambo or something like that because that, it feels like a guy who's on a rampage. That's for sure. Yeah, no, see, it, but Rampage Drage, that needs to be the name. I know it's not an <laughs> 80s movie, but that's pretty good.
0: <laughs> well, we can just refer to Nick as Rampage from now on. <laughs> he yeah, okay. we don't need to. But he, he, after a year, he graduates to his, his 80s movie title name.
1: OK, all right. I like it.
0: Uh, welcome to the flock to Ann Bradley and Rebecca Christensen.
1: Awesome. Hey, thanks a lot, Ann. Appreciate it. And Rebecca, you as well. Uh what we're doing to give you guys an update uh because we do appreciate the the donations uh we we're, we're, we're working on a couple little things here and the money's helping us do that uh, with a little bit of equipment and uh we're gonna be trying some new stuff here it's a little extra content for you guys um and it'll be i think it'll be cool uh we'll see um, we'll see if maybe that my face was made more for radio for, <laughs> uh, other applications, but, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll see as we go forward here, but uh, just like anybody guys,
0: can have a podcast, anybody can be on YouTube. It's, it's kind of the rules of media now,
1: right? Yeah, I think that is. And, uh, I, maybe, maybe I fit in that rule then, uh, not, not so homely that, uh, they'd kick me out.
0: Also a couple of thanks to Kevin Moore increased his donation on Patreon uh, wow. And and Keith Kettover, over our original yeah. our OG patron uh, he in, increases his as well uh, which I kind of feel bad for because I guilted him into it I I mentioned that I had posted something on the Facebook page uh, to him on Twitter and uh, you know our, our our that's
1: dirty pool dude <laughs> I said oh, I said oh
0: well uh, what do you think of of what I posted on the on the uh, Seahawks Ring of Honor Facebook page you know because it's it's just yeah, for yeah. The, the our patrons. Right. And uh, he go, <laughs> and so he increased his donation and I sent him the the, the Facebook wow.
1: page. Wow. So I, Man, I, that's, a, that's, that's a whole new level for you, Brandon. I know. I know. I didn't it know you had that in you.
0: Not, not one of my better moments, but... Uh, <laughs>
1: <laughs> Sorry, Keith. But thank you. <laughs> totally guilted
0: him into it. So hopefully he's finding good value on our Facebook page.
1: <laughs> yes. Yes. A <laughs> couple of reviews
0: before we move on. Uh, one from Katie Mack. This is a USA... Uh, one from, uh, iTunes says, awesome. The best podcast, uh, a Seahawks fan can hope for. Also, while I'm here, the name for the gunner position derives from the phrase gunning for as in Ricardo Lockett is gunning for the returner. The phrase gunning for someone originally meant you were looking for someone you wanted to shoot and kill in a yeah. more modern context. It means you're trying to take someone down or defeat them. So it's called Gunner because it's his job to blow up the other guy. I hope that makes sense. I think there's something. So I I think that maybe there's something here that uh, that we need to consider, uh, because in in the U.S., you know, we generally know this because gunning for someone is is a phrase we use. uh, John's in the U.K. Mm -hmm. Uh, uh, Maybe maybe that doesn't translate or just not a saying. But, you know, the other thing to me, all the players are gunning for the returner. Why aren't why aren't all of them gunners? Why specifically the one player?
1: But the gunners are generally the guys that get there first. They're, your, you know what I mean. Like they're the guys on the outside that don't have to have a block initially when the ball is snapped. Are the two guys? They're your hunters, basically. So they're your gunners. Yeah, I get it. I like it, Katie. That's the best explanation I've had to this point. I think it's as spot on as anything. Well played, and thank you for the review.
0: And then we have an Australian review from uh, Champagne Poppy. Champagne Poppy. I'm going to go with that. Australian 12. uh, Absolutely adore the show. No bias in terms of judgment of moves by the team. Extensive knowledge of the roster before analysis is all I asked for, and they delivered.
1: Oh, wow. Well, thanks, man. We try a little bit. We do. We read the articles. We pay attention. And, you know, one of the more fulfilling things is knowing that folks that don't have a lot of access to Seahawks information, we can be an outlet for that. So very cool. Thank you very much
0: couple more emails here says, hi, guys. Just thought I'd drop you a line thanking you for providing me with a trip down memory lane. Your top 15 got me thinking about just how long I've been a 12. I began following and watching the Hawks back in 1984. Visions of Craig, Largent and Kurt Warner still dominate my football memories. My older brother was a Broncos fan and let's admit it, Elway and the Broncos owned us. However, (sighs) it was with great, great joy. And happiness that our Hawks absolutely smoked the donkeys in Super Bowl 48, forever giving me the absolute last word in all football arguments. Can't really have a comeback when the words 43 to 8 come flying out at you. Anyway, great job on the top 15. I thoroughly enjoyed it. Thanks, eh? Uh, In my humble opinion, I think Chris Warren should have found his way onto your list. I have a, a soft spot for number 42. Oh, and by the way, if you ever produce a top 15 best Seahawk names of all time, carlester crumpler is your definite number one oh, solid yes <laughs> from toronto rob thanks eh
1: yeah thanks uh all the way up in Canada, there appreciate it rob uh like you heard earlier in the show chris warren was a guy that we definitely thought about uh putting on there but glad you enjoyed the the series and man crumpler good solid good name suggestion yeah. solid suggestion
0: uh, aaron from seattle says again great show guys was looking over a video on nick Vinette. Uh, from when he played at Notre Dame, as recommended mm. by Rob Staten. That guy's a beast. Oh, and we played at Ohio State. Uh, yeah. Love watching him. Oh, when he played. No, uh, Yeah, when he played for Ohio State, but they played Notre Dame. There we go. Watching that game. Uh, watch, Love watching him bounce guys all over the place. Uh, just a speculating theory. Seeing the drought of O-Lineman in the draft and the fact that we have two and a half capable tight ends already. It's possible the Hawks intend to train or convert Vanette to a tackle position. Random thought.
1: It's an interesting thought. I mean, a lot of people would argue that Zach Miller was that, right? Right. Like, and uh, that's kind of what
0: I was thinking, that Zach Miller, that type of role, he played outside the tackle, but he was that that end blocker, right?
1: Mm-hmm. But I think, like we mentioned earlier in the show, his pass-catching ability is a little better than maybe they had initially uh, thought he was. And so I think you'll see him uh, in a little more varied role. But yeah, I mean, he's going to be that de facto extra tackle. and. So who was that from? That was from Aaron. Oh, nice. Thanks a lot, Aaron. Appreciate it. Good suggestion. Uh, as far as the, yeah, definitely a more
0: blocking type position. Probably won't see him at tackle, but, uh, definitely an extra blocker similar to, to Zach Miller. Yeah. And one final email from Rebecca, uh, one of our patron donors from, uh, says I cannot express how much I love your podcast. I only wish I had discovered it sooner withdrawal symptoms are brutal. As you know, I have only been listening for about one month now and went back to a few past episodes, including the after Super Bowl loss. I'm not going to lie. It opened a few old wounds. Uh, (laughs) I can't tell you how many times I cursed Edelman in that game, but I followed it with the after Super Bowl win episode. So all is good now.
1: (laughs) Okay, good. That's probably the proper way to to do that. If you are going to go back, which um, appreciate you doing that, Rebecca. I'm glad you found the show.
0: She goes on to say, uh, I wasn't an avid football watcher growing up in Seattle, more of a Mariners fan as football mm. games are too expensive. Uh, moved to L.A. 15 years ago. And while I kept an eye on the Seahawks, loads of people love Pete Carroll here in L.A. Obviously, uh, football just didn't excite me too much. I have to give props where where due. A 49ers fan and co-worker actually got me in love with the game and more importantly, my hometown Hawks. Midway through the 2013 season, he started to come into work on Monday and talk crap to me about a guy named Richard Sherman. He kept doing it and I started to get irritated uh, that I couldn't bust his chops right back. Started doing my homework and watched every game, googling every football term I didn't understand and analyzing the stats so I could have intelligent debates with this all in good humor but relentless 49er. And (laughs) let me tell you, that moment Sherman tipped the ball from Crabtree, ultimate mic drop to close all trash talk. Oh yeah. I fell in love with the game, but uh, what I loved the most uh, was how much I admired the Seahawks. You are absolutely right when you say they are a family. And uh, play as such, not to mention all the amazing work the players do for the community. Anyway, sorry for the long email. And thank you both for your awesome podcast. The Do Better is amazing and even more, the better at life than Skip Bayless. Keep up the great work uh, you do for the 12s. And please post episodes as often as you can. Sincerely, Rebecca.
1: Thanks a lot, Rebecca. Um, It's cool to hear how everybody kind of finds football, right? And when it kind of clicks for them and and when they, they really get into it. And it is, it's such a disease. Like you start, you got that trash talking friend, right? And like, there comes a point where you're like, I gotta have, I gotta have some info <laughs> here, man, because some ammunition, I can't handle yeah. this. I can't handle this anymore. I hope to God that when, after the tip, the next day when she came in and saw her co she just said, that's what you get when you try Rich Sherman with a sorry cra- <laughs> uh, receiver like Crabtree. Right. That's what you get. <laughs> that's what you I get. Hope that, yeah. that's get. That's the result you're going to get. That's the result you're going to get. So pretty cool. Thanks a lot, Rebecca. Never apologize for a long email. Um, it makes it so we don't have to talk as much.
0: And then now, whenever that coworker speaks up in the office, you can say, "Don't you ever talk about me?"
1: <laughs> <laughs> perfect, perfect.
0: And it'll be nice little, not subtle reminder.
1: No, it, it doesn't need to be subtle because it's a Richard Sherman reminder, and nothing subtle about Richard Sherman. <laughs> what do you say we get into some do better and better life? All right, cool, man.
0: All right, I'm gonna go first with my do better, Adam, uh, and mine. Mine is for Coach Carroll. You know, I think. I think one of the most disappointing things I heard from coach in the past couple of weeks is is the quote all but impossible when referring to Nate Robinson making the Seahawks roster. You know, going into this offseason, all all I wanted was to see Nate in pads in the fourth quarter of the first preseason game. And now it, we we can't even make that happen. I mean, the Seahawks carried an extra long snapper. Going into the preseason last year, and that was incredible story. We still talk about that story. And you're telling me that a guy who is already a professional athlete who has a background playing the position can't get things together enough in eight weeks or so to get pads on and, and take on like some third and fourth stringers in a preseason game. Coach Carroll, this is something that we want that we as fans, as Seattle fans, we want to see. Give Nate Robinson a chance to do better.
1: Well, I mean, it's not wrong when he says it's it's virtually impossible for for Nate to make it. I mean, well, I understand the fi- making
0: the 53. He, he wasn't going to make the 53, but no, I, but still,
1: but I'm with you. I, sure. We I could, wanted to see that. I could see him on the 90 man and like go out there and, and play a snap or two. Like, that's cool. Yeah, I, I, that's fine. But here's the question, though, Brandon, if they did do that. Which young guy doesn't get a shot then? Ah, don't
0: give me that garbage. That guy's not making the That's team either. Garbage. That guy's not making the team either.
1: You don't know that? <laughs> Thomas Rawls is undrafted. Doug Baldwin undrafted. I mean, Dwayne Curse undrafted. So, like, so who, didn't, who
0: didn't get his opportunity because we had uh, Nate Boyer in lock snapping? Who who missed out on an opportunity because of Nate Boyer?
1: Um, That one guy. That one right. guy who didn't make yeah. the team anyway. He didn't make the team, Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I can't even come up with a, with a random name either. Like, I, I just uh, ma- mind went blank. <laughs> right, why, that's
0: why my argument's better than yours. Uh, that's, probably
1: that's probably true. All right. Uh, on to my do better. I changed my do better since we, before we started the show here. Oh, uh, my goodness. Brandon.
0: We go over these things in advance. And, and yep. why do we even do this if you're going to change your mind? I
1: changed both my do better and my better at life. Well, look at oh, you. Yeah. Just uh, doing that, stuff on the fly. Exactly. That's how I roll. <laughs> So uh, my, my do better is for none other than Dan Hanzoos at NFL.com and from around the NFL podcast. Um, I came across this on Bleach Report.
0: I hope it's a list.
1: It is a list. <laughs> and it, it's, so, it's so stupid because it's a list of the top fathers in the NFL. Like, that's the, that, the, their dad rankings. If Michael Bennett
0: isn't number one on this list, I am punching somebody. No,
1: no, it's for the coaches.
0: Oh. It's for the coaches.
1: Well, this doesn't even make sense then. It's stupid. The whole concept is ridiculous. But the only thing that was good about it is Pete Carroll was number one. Yes, because he gave his kid a job on the team, right? Uh, no, because because of his white sneakers, his dorky <laughs> sense of humor, and uh, he may or may not have a deep admiration for the entire catalog of Fleetwood Mac. Uh, so he didn't even mention the nepotism? Uh, gosh. No, no, <laughs> did not mention that. But he did have Bruce Arians as number two, and he called him the classic cool dad. Pete Carroll's way cooler than Bruce Arians. Bruce Arians is just a (laughs) catfish. Okay. I don't like Bruce Arians. Never have and never will. Can't believe that he was number two on a list that shouldn't have been created in the first place. Who gives a crap? Who's a good dad in the NFL? And how do you even measure it? It's dumb to dumb, dumb. All the dumbs. Dan has do better.
0: Oh, but credit to him for picking him. Imagine if Bruce Arians was number one, that would be a really terrible list. At least he had the sense to, to put Pete Carroll at number one.
1: I guess uh, I guess <laughs> <laughs> just saying It. I understand it's slow I understand it's all that but like you're off the rails dude you're <laughs> off the rails when you're making top dad lists just just stop it
0: all right well let's get into better at life than skip Bayless okay and my pick this week is for the NFL for right. ruining the Packers season Adam you know, a lot yes, of, yes, really the, 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 Packers right. say, it's, it's ruined. It's ruined. You know, a lot Perfect. of people are talking about how great Green Bay is, uh, how, and how great they're going to be this season. You know, they had, a, they had a good year last year, made it to the playoffs. And part of that was credited Adam to James Jones and his lucky hoodie. I don't know if you remember that.
1: Oh, I didn't realize of, it was a lucky. hoodie. It, it was a
0: lucky hoodie. It, well, huh? they, they started winning when James Jones started wearing the hoodie. Oh, okay. Well, thanks to the NFL. They've ripped the hoodie off of Jones's back. And uh, I think we can expect that uh, it'll uh, it'll doom the Packers 2016 season
1: was tearing it off his back. Was that a pun? Because I think it was a tear away hoodie, too. Right. Like it could actually be torn away.
0: I don't know. Maybe it it seemed like it should be a tear away to just for safety reasons. But, uh, you know, if Marshawn can't catch a break for wearing non-approved shoes, why should Jones get to wear like a mini cape?
1: No, you're right. And you know, what's funny is on our road trip over to Washington last weekend, this came up on our conversation between Jared and I about the James Jones hoodie. Yeah. And he was stoked that they were banning that. He thought it looked stupid and he didn't like it. <laughs> and I was like, I guess I didn't have a strong opinion on it, but I'm with you now. And the fact that if it's ruining their season already, you're right, Brandon, better at life than Skip Bayless. No Indeed. We don't have to change that moniker right now that Skip Bayless has gone from ESPN.
0: No, I mean, you can still be better at life than him.
1: Okay, I figured. All right. I just want to make sure. My, deb- or my better at life this week is for Walter Thurman III, the former Seahawk uh, and former Philadelphia Eagle, and with a uh, an honorary better at life for Dan Hanzoos of NFL.com because <laughs> in that crappy list story, he had this following story listed right below, and I wouldn't have found it uh, without it. So I, I got to give him a little credit there, too. Uh, Walter Thurman III apparently has been having a good time this offseason now that he's retired. And he spent a bit of his uh, spring this year playing for a bar league softball team in disguise <laughs> with the alter ego name Dick Mahoney. And,
0: <laughs> that is a solid alter ego name.
1: <laughs> yeah. Uh, apparently he came in and he hit That's uh, way better some,
0: than Ron Mexico. You know, isn't yeah. that Mike Vicks alter ego?
1: Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Way better than Ron Mexico. And uh, apparently he came in, hit seven dingers in like two games, Uh, would have been eight, but he overran the lead base runner at one point Uh, doing it all in a wig. He was described as looking Dick Mahoney as quote, like easy E circa 1988 black dude (laughs) with a Jerry curl hairstyle, LA Dodgers shirt and a hat. And uh, apparently uh, Dick Mahoney is now retired. Uh, he's, He's no longer playing in the bar league. I think that's hilarious. I like the whole concept. Walter Thurman III, better at life than Skip Bayless.
0: You know, a, a good jersey would be to get number 28 with Mahoney on the back. Just uh, That that'd would be, be super inside, and I would definitely want to take a picture with a person that had that jersey.
1: That'd be very solid. That'd be very <laughs> solid. That's a great idea, man. I mean, I don't wear jerseys, but uh, that'd be that'd be a solid one. That's
0: what I'm going to get for you, a, a, a 28 Mahoney jersey.
1: Dude, I will totally hang that in the podcast room. That'd look sweet. <laughs> I would. That'd be killer. Well, this was a full
0: show, Adam. We uh, uh, we had a lot to talk about, as it turned out. Maybe yeah. a little uh, a little of it will go to bonus content for our our Might patron
1: donors. Might have to because this did get uh, this did get lengthy. But uh, appreciate you guys tuning in. Appreciate all the votes for the podcast awards. Appreciate all the emails and the reviews. Uh, keep those coming. You can email at GoHawks at uh, seahawkerspodcast dot com. You can check us out on the the Facebook. You just type in Seahawks Podcast. You'll find it. Uh,
0: Facebook.com slash Seahawkers podcast at Seahawkers pod on Twitter. The, you can get to Adam at, at Adam, the rant on Twitter.
1: That's right. Uh, I, I sometimes check that. Uh, and then also uh, you can call in with a voice memo. Like you can record a voice memo on your phone and text it to the, the Seahawkers podcast number.
0: Yeah. 253-235-9041. Exactly. So
1: do all that. Appreciate you guys uh, hanging in here over the off season. And I think with that. There's only one thing left to say. Go Hawks! Go Hawks!